Well, welcome to the show, Beata Chalet. Beata is actually the second Beata that I've gotten to know in my life. So go figure that one. But I, I kind of think that by the end of the show, Beata, you'll tell me if you, if this is a fair hypothesis and we're going to test it throughout the show, that maybe uh, we might be kind of like kindred spirit animals here by the end of the show. You know, I, I, I have a feeling uh, that we might just be that. And I was watching your introduction, by the way. Now I already want everything you have because that's like the best introduction of any show I've ever been on. So you already are, you know, the Jeff that stands out from everyone else. Right. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I, I will I will take the praise. Thank you. But uh, I just get to be the player. It's uh, my wonderful producer, Chris, and his team at Cast Ahead that make all of that look great. So. Um, so there's his plug for the show. I might get another one in, but right off, right off the gate, we'll just get that out the way. <laughs> well done, uh, he yes. He doesn't ask me to do that. I do it because I applaud people who do great work, and he's one of those people. But uh, thanks for that. Yeah. So uh, my friend Brandon Brittingham, I love his 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 line right there at the end of the intro. There's nothing wrong with being humble, but there's nothing wrong with stepping into your superpower. Let's kick off with that. What do you see as your superpowers that you put into people? And that you offer others. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's very simple. Like I listen to somebody talking about their business and immediately in my head, it like spits out a process, a system. And I'll go like, uh, no, that's not the way we should be doing this. But here's the hook. This is something I haven't heard before. So I can take people's disjointed um, offers, the 10 things that they're doing, the coaching, the online courses, the expert, this, the consulting the strategist piece, and I can build a signature system around that and plug every single piece in that you already have and make it a cohesive system with a diagnosis, different entry points. I can do this all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, you know, I like on your website how you talk about um, working uh, working with and for visionary leaders um, who want to grow and scale. You know, I'm I'm a high visionary on the Colby scale. Uh, I kind of work with my, my deal, the people I work with, uh, I approach a little different. I look for that integrator that has a harder time finding that next level, right? They're very good at leading people, very good at uh, doing the work. It's just, they're kind of stuck, right? So I applaud you for what you do with visionaries because uh, I, I, as, as, a, as one of them, I can say this because I'm in the club, we're a hot mess at times. What are some of those hot mess successes that you've uh, been able to create? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think this is a really good point that you're making. And I think we we probably want to spend a little bit of time on that with the uh, to point this out for our audience. Because the backstory of this really is that you remember that when we go through our educational system and when we become who we are meant to be, that we are being taught that taking existing information, regurgitating existing information gets us an A. And then we somehow go into the workplace and we think that that must be probably the same way it's always been. Because if they teach us this for all this time as we're growing up, then that must be the way the world operates. But it really isn't so, right? Certainly not an innovation. I mean, am I right? You're so, right. So, 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 so now you're sitting there and you go like, holy smoking mackerel, uh, I'm nothing like that. I, I don't like to follow. 
existing uh, things. I'm I'm called difficult. I talk too much. I don't think there's ever been a report card in my life that doesn't say talks too much or interrupts or you know has all kinds of really bad behavioral problems. And and then I realized as my career went into the creative arts that when you work with people that are non-conforming, that are colorful, that are crazy at times, but the ideas and the insights and the stuff they come up with, you go like, that is so amazing. So I'll give you a couple of examples because you asked me. So I was working with a woman out of London and she is a data scientist and she has come up with a idea to build a framework for ethical AI for luxury brands. So that means that when you go to like a luxury brand website, wow, crazy, right? And you type in whatever purse or whatever you're looking for, then the suggestions that this website's making is, you know, is supposed to be unbiased and ethical because it's, you know, there's a lot of persuasion and all kinds of stuff that can be done to get people to buy stuff. And I will tell you, Jeff, when I was working with her, half of the stuff she was saying, I couldn't even understand because the lingo was so uh, so specific. But I helped her to understand what the transformation journey was and how she needed to articulate that, that this luxury brand, who is not a data scientist, who works for that company, could understand what she was doing. Turned around a week later, she had a $50,000 contract. Fantastic. Yeah. I think so many times people get stuck in inside of what they know and they forget that they are not their customer. They're not their client. And they begin to pour out all the data science stuff. It's like, I, I just want this AI recommendation to better serve my customers so they're very happy with their luxury purchase and don't regret it. Yes, I think you um, you you're mentioning something that I also think is really important to point out. So uh, for your listeners here who are business owners, experts, coaches, consultants, you have to remember that what you want to do is you want to talk about your expertise, your secret sauce, but nobody really cares. People want to want to know from you do you understand what my problem is? And can you give me the solution that I'm looking for? The piece in the middle, the one that you are most passionate about, they don't care about. So right. it's almost like we have to learn, right, Jeff, to shut up about the part in the middle and then talk to them about, hey, can you relate to these issues? You don't even know what your real problem is. Don't worry, leave this up to me, but I understand where you're coming from. And here's the outcome, but how are we going to do that? I'm not going to even tell you. Right. You know, I, I would expand on that thought. And you you unpacked a lot here already in the first six, seven, eight minutes. Uh, I want to get back to the education piece. You know, I know my producer, Chris, he's like, uh-oh, we got to set education. That's one of <laughs> Jeff's things. Uh, but anyway, um, what you just shared about point A to point B, I'll expand on and say, if you're selling and, and really it in the US, that's our whole economy is buying and selling. I'm, I mean, that's in a nutshell what we do here. Uh, but if you're selling to people in, in this day and age, 2023 and, and further beyond, 
If your process isn't putting you or your team in a position of affirmation, I think you're, you're, you're stuck in that middle where you're just trying to like regurgitate everything you want the customer to know. You're not looking for that prescription of fit and you're not certainly not affirming you are the fit. Position of affirmation to me is so important because listen, right here in pocket of our, in, in our pocket is all the information we could want on any given topic. The problem is it's very messy. Right. And you go to this website and you think it's research, but it's actually very, um, expertly disguised as paid advertising. Right. And then you go to this thing, this page and you find, well, this person is a quack within their industry, but you don't know because maybe they got a PhD behind their last name. Right. You know, so it, it's, it, it, it's all about that prescription of fit to me from my perspective. And then working in that position of affirmation saying, look, we're the right fit and we're going to just help you organize all this in your brain and, and get you to the point where you're comfortable to make a decision. Yes. Well, I, okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and let's also add to that like another one of those things, which is the reason I'm in business, is that when you look at the people in the internet marketing space, right? The ones that are the loudest, that have the showcase the car and the the airplane and the mm-hmm. you know the toys and the houses and the and the lifestyle that their entire business is built on affiliate and building large lists and then they hand each other that list it's a small circle I want to say what is it Jeff's like 10 people 15 people um you yeah you can have syndicates that small and I'm sure there's multiple syndicates especially as you go niche specific but you're right. And so all they do is they just say, well, I'm taking this piece. I'm taking the speaking from stage. I'm taking the selling Mm -hmm. from stage. I'm taking the online course. I'm taking the product launch. I'm taking the funnel hacking, you know? And so they, they literally like divided all these pieces amongst themselves. And then they say, well, and you need this one and you need this one and you need this one so that people keep buying, buying, always thinking that that next thing somehow magically is going to create the business model around it. And mm-hmm. I look at this and sometimes when people come to me, they say, well, I've I've invested like literally $150,000 in all these different things and I still don't have a business model. I said, yeah, because you didn't set, set up the model before you decided the pieces that you needed to run the model. So how right. about we build the model now and then I can tell you which of these pieces we can plug in that you already have, and now suddenly it all makes sense. So that's the psychology that you're referring to um, of, of what's happening and why people keep spending, 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 and then never get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is the dirty underbelly of the online internet marketing space, for sure, uh, that's out there. Um, you know, spinning back to the education comment, uh, I couldn't agree with you more about uh, where we're at in our current society, um, teaching students to regurgitate information, teaching them to take a test. You know, and, th- and this persists on now throughout um, throughout the college years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at what modern education's become, if you look closely within your local jurisdiction school district, you'll find likely that there's a push to get children into their system at ages three and four now. Uh, if you look to your college campuses locally or nationally or within your family, you're seeing people taking longer to get a four-year degree. That's now five, five and a half years. 
So you really have to ask the question, how, how did we become a nation in which we're, we're not leading and really at any metric and we're graduating adults less and less prepared for life? What, what, from your view, what do we need to change about that? Because you're seeing the throughput as you're working and you work with some pretty big corporations. And I want to talk next about the Bill Gates question, right? It's yeah, not some he, question, but a point, but yeah. let, let's have you answer that first. Like, yeah, how do we I, I, I think that, that we just, Jeff, we just, we just grow up feeling guilty and we feel guilty mm-hmm. that we are so absolutely inadequate at everything. Um, everything is set out to say, look, like, look at John, John, John is really athletic. Why are you not that athletic? Uh, uh, look at look at Susan. Susan is a math genius. If she can do it, why can you not do it? I don't know. Uh, look at look at look at Mary. Mary is the you know resident artist. I mean, just look at her artwork. And so what we end up doing is we we are taught very early on that we need to incorporate John. Susie, Maria, and 10 other people in ourselves to become the absolute perfect version, the step forward, you know, whatever wife, child, whatever that is. And because this is a level of achievement that is literally impossible, is that this is the crazy making formula that then we spend the rest of our lives to go to therapy to try to get you get this <laughs> out of our yep. system that nobody gives us permission to say you know what you have my permission to suck at math because i can see what a gifted brilliant writer you are in in english so i'm going to get hammered down what a loser i am in math yep. which neither interests me nor do i want a career in it nor do i want to do anything along with it. And yet I'm terrorized in getting better at something that that has no purpose for me because I'm going in a different direction. So that creates a bunch of mediocre people. The output is mediocrity because then it says the standard is to be good at everything and great at nothing. Yeah. Hey, so one quick second. You might have heard a little bang in the background. Uh, the one thing I wasn't good at in school was apparently uh, light rigging because one of my lights just fell down. So hang on one couple seconds here. I'm just going to pick this up. Miraculously, the bulb didn't break. Be right back this way. I don't have this weird shadow thing going on. So just hang tight. No, 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 no problem. I'll, up, ju- no, I'll, I'll just, I'll just sure. reiterate on the point while you do that. And so one of the things that we see, you know, a lot and, you know, back to Jeff's question about why you are, uh, why we are not at the forefront of a lot of things is because innovation or um, superiority or excellence is, is coming from someone helping you to explore something that you have an innate ability to be really good at. So my, you know, I've always loved creativity. And creativity is, is, you know, I have a photography degree, but I wasn't as good as, as a photographer as others. So I had to figure out on how to 
um, take my love for photography and make a business out of it. And then I realized I was good at working with creatives and the creative and the business side of creativity. And when I leaned into my love for the arts and creativity, but I followed my innate ability, which is processes, strategies, and systems, which you'd think might be a clash. Then I became a strategist and I work with a lot of visionaries and thought leaders and helping them to build these business systems. So we need to start fostering this, that when we see an extraordinary interest or ability for somebody to say, you go uh, push harder. Yeah. Um, first of all, fantastic points. I want to circle back on those. Second of all, this is why it pays to have great people around you. Chris muted the mic while I was banging around back here. So thanks for the coverage. Thanks for picking up. The, this, that was just the funniest thing. 55 episodes prior, everything's just fine. The one, the one where I'm really like jazzed up about the new setup here and the light falls out. Go figure. Um, so I'm on the show the one time where Jeff was not lit. Ah, yes, I like that. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love everything about what you just said. And I, I feel that is the path forward for our young people, even for young adults, college age people. The issue is, what you just shared is an entire upheaval and re-engineering of things. You know, and, and I speak from the heart on this. We almost lost our oldest son for what you just shared about how he was suicidal in high school. You know, um, you know, from my intro, you might have seen the campsite. I'm a, I, you know, I'm not an outdoorsman, but I like to be outdoors. I like to hunt. Uh, I like to target shoot, and, and I'm getting into competition shooting and. You know, for me, like we have guns in the home. We took them out of the house at that time. And it was that severe. Wow. Of, you know, so that statement, we grew up feeling guilty that you made about six minutes ago. Um, that hit right in the heart for me because we lived that. We lived that with our son. And, and, you know, if you're listening, watching this, maybe you're living it now in your workplace. Maybe you're living it now with a college age student. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got to dig into the abilities of people and create an environment where, you know, not everybody can make money with photography, right? Maybe if they have a system, they can, but they need to discover that system, right? Passions are great. But then as you, as you shared about the internet marketing space, you can have a passion to do something, but you got to have the system to create the business around it. You have to have the system to provide value and lasting impact. Maybe you make no money with that, but you love doing this thing and it creates impact on those around you, your community, and you can be impactful that way. And that fuels you to, you know, work your job, but you love what you do Saturday and Sunday because in the community, it's, it's wonderful. Maybe that's youth coaching of sports. I don't know. But I, I, that statement, we grow up feeling guilty. Wow, what a powerful, powerful statement. By the way, I didn't get to tell you this in the pre-show. You might see me making notes. I'm not multitasking. I pull out moments for reels later. We repurpose this. So if you're listening to the show, you definitely need to get with us online and watch it. It's going to be what, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, because I pull out these moments, share them out. You get more from every episode. And I think it's a really great way for all of us to connect. So. Man, that that's again, I'll say it for the third time. That statement, we grow up feeling guilty. What a powerful insight right there. Yeah, I want to add to that a little bit. So number one, so if you are listening live or in a replay, 
go ahead and leave a comment and let us know on if this statement hit home for you as well. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your shows and uh, leave Jeff a five-star review and share this maybe with one other person who needs to hear what was talked about today. And one of the things, you know, if the statement hit home so much, I'm going to, um, I want to give the, your listeners, like one of my, my, my moves that I teach my clients. And that is when somebody says something to you that, you know, really hits home because it reinforces that thought that you have of yourself of being a failure, an imposter, a loser, not good enough, whatever it is. I want you to literally do this. I want you to put your head back and start laughing like this. (laughs) Oh my God. And you make it like it's the funniest, dumbest thing you have ever heard. And you go, good one. Yeah, that'll day will come that I'll, I'll be good at math. But I understand where you're coming from. But let me tell you about what I'm really good at. It's writing, it's essays. So you reframe that punch that somebody's trying to give you probably to help you in some obscure amateurish type of a way and you redirect them to seeing what you're really good at. Because if you let that sit, there's a sting. And so, I mean, when somebody says, well, why are you not good at Excel spreadsheets and pivot tables? I'm going to laugh. I'm like, are you see, serious? I mean, see, Jeff, you are laughing. It's like, it's just, I, that's, that's just that's, so that's, idiotic. Do we even have to talk? That's that, funny. Thank you for mentioning that. That, you know, whatever. Hannah does that on my team. What do I need to mm-hmm. be good at that? Right. So you have to yeah. have that kind of thing where you say, I'm going to hire somebody for that. We have somebody on yeah. our team who does that. No. Right. And that, and that's, and that's unfortunately, you know, what our youth today, young adults, they aren't being taught. They're being just brought in to say, you have to be great at spreadsheets. You have to be great at math. You have to be great at grammar. You know, for me, grammar was a struggle. We moved so much as a family when I was younger, all throughout, up throughout middle school years, that the core tenets of grammar, we started in one school. I got to the next one. They were done. They're beyond it. I still don't know where to place a comma. I kind of sprinkle them in like salt on food. Like if it's the right <laughs> spot to do it, I do it. But, well, thank oh, thank God all the other companies have figured it out. Grammarly, right. you know, spell checks. I mean, it's all there. Why do you why do you why do you even need to bother? Right. And and, and so uh so I think the skill, like to keep it contextual, grammar and yep. writing is the skill is how do you move people? How do you inspire them? How do you get a point across? How do you back up your points? Those are, those are, those are great skills that are translatable across any medium, any effort in life, right? Um, I just have to giggle. I giggle really hard at the spreadsheet thing because I'm just not a spreadsheet guy at all. I mean, when you say it in that, in that context, then people, people get it. But I think when the context sometimes is more around things that we are sensitive about, like, you know, who's sensitive about an Excel spreadsheet and a pivot table? No, nobody really. But when it is stuff that we are sensitive about, then we take these messages to heart. So it does, you know, just keep the image of that Microsoft Excel spreadsheet with a pivot table in front of your head. And then when somebody says something, or for women, if somebody says you're so emotional, I mean, that's just so ridiculous. Um, We don't even really need to ever talk about that. Because a lot of times also people are baiting you 
to see if they can get under your skin. It's on them to put out the bait. It's on you if you take it. Yeah, I like that one too. That's a that's a writer downer. So you talk. So I want to get to the. I do want to. I do want to have you unpack how you sold your first. Was it your first business to Bill Gates? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, first business is, is 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 obscure because it was a. Um, you know, my business went through many uh, alterations, if you so want to, until it finally became the stock photography syndication that I did sell to Bill Gates. But before that, it was a f- artist representation, photographer representation, mm-hmm. photography production business. And then eventually I lost all of that through, you know, fires, floods, riots, earthquakes, September 11, the lawsuit and a tsunami and then became, mm. you know, and then then the stars aligned. So where 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 do you want to where do you want to plug it in, Jeff? Well, I mean, I think what you just shared there. I mean, I know it was real quick. You, you know, we titled this show "Turning Adversity into Authority." I would say could have also called it "Turning Adversity into Success." So you started out with a syndication network to represent other artists and writers. It sounded like, right? Yeah. So then- so. Originally, originally in Germany, you know, I have a photography degree. That's really the only degree I have. And then mm-hmm. I was an editor at Elle magazine in Germany, and that oh. bored me to tears. And I, uh, I was 23, I'm making good money. I'm having a job other people kill for, and it just didn't satisfy me. And the reason it didn't satisfy me is that I found that when you have a lot of success very young, that you have there's a temptation to think this is about you. It's not about you. It's about the job that you have. And then I think I turned a little bit into a jerk and uh, wasn't very likable person. And there was a day where I I said, I need to become the person that I want to look in the mirror at night and the person I like. And then I decided I was going to go for an adventure. And the adventure that came to mind is like, Oh, I'm I'm going to America for a year abroad. The year has not ended. Decades later, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm going to say decades. I would have thought it was just a decade, and I'll leave. Thank it. you so much. I appreciate that very much. Yes. Um, so let's just pretend all of this happened like in a in a period of like a very few years. No, the the truth of the matter is that um, it's it's been it's been a very long time in the making and. I started as an artist representative for another company. I was laid off just as I had a baby. I got married. I found a fabulous man who um, had only two faults. He was a pathological liar and an alcoholic. I mm. didn't figure that out in time until, um, you know, until literally the big earthquake came and shook us here in Los Angeles. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to die. And I realized that I needed to do something that I needed to do and that I was in a really bad situation because I'm an immigrant and I'm, you know, going through a really bad divorce as a single parent. And in that moment, I'm getting laid off then uh, because, you know, the economy just fell apart. And so I have to figure out how I'm going to run my business, be a single mom, do all of these things to, uh, uh, all at once. And so I, I work hard, you know, I, I do, I, I do all the things that, you know, they tell you to do. I joined whatever, some associations, I, you know, took classes from the SBA. I had to figure out how to, how to run this business. And 
over a period of 10 years, I was really able to get this business to about a million dollar business. I mean, you know, lots of stuff happened in the meantime, you know, and then then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and I fell back a couple hundred thousand dollars. And finally, finally, Jeff, I'm at this point. I'm running this million dollar business. I, you know, life is good. I can pay my bills. I'm, you know, living in a nice house. My home office mm-hmm. is downstairs. It's all good. And then I have this hit in my stomach one, you know, and it just won't go away. And I know something's wrong. And I, I bet, you know, your audience can relate to that feeling. And maybe you have had that, but you just know something's off. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that journey to the first million is, is like every small business owner wants to hit that mark. And then they get there and so many times something is off. Yes. Maybe and what, what, yeah. And what was off is it was my employee and she had Lord. gotten too close to my key vendor and they had come up with an idea on how to run my business without me uh, and set up and set up their, their, their own business. And so next thing I know, I'm not getting paid by, by my clients and I'm not sure why. And then they said, well, they had, you know, made up all kinds of stories. And so I sued oh, them. Wow. I sued them. So now I'm involved in a lawsuit, you know, being German, I guess I must have wanted to be right for uh, about this. And I certainly was right about it because they did do all of these things, but I didn't realize what lawsuit really means in, in, in the United States It's basically just spent tens of thousands of dollars on <laughs> writing letters to attorneys yep. that then charge the other party tens of thousands of dollars to re- respond to that letter. And that's all really a lawsuit is. It's just like this mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And so now I'm $130,000 in debt and I am seriously, um, I'm, 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 I'm in trouble because I can't, you know, I can't pay my bills. But I had my production season that come came, you know, around that started usually in September and then went all the way to March. That was when People from all over the world would come to Los Angeles. I was kind of like the hot, cool producer that knew all the urban locations. And I produced for Levi Strauss and Wrangler and Mercedes-Benz and BMW and lots of really great companies. Yeah, great, great companies. And then I wake up and it was September 11. Mm -hmm. And in one day, I lost everything. Everything that I hadn't already lost, that was like a couple months after after this lawsuit started. And I, I literally lost everything. I lost a half a million dollars in one day. And um, now I'm and really- that, intru- that was from, that was just from companies canceling contracts, canceling future plans because the world obviously was upside down. Yeah, nobody was going to be on a plane in their own right mind coming to the United States. I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. Right. So they're sorry, we're canceling. Sorry, we're canceling. We're going to Morocco instead of Los Angeles. And then I, I never really recovered that, that business again. So I, I fought the lawsuit settled. It settled for nothing. So I paid my debt. I paid my attorney. I literally remember going to the flower mart, picking up flowers for my attorney and their staff. And then I had, I think like $60 left in my bank account. Uh, so starting all over again, but then I have this great idea for the stock photography syndication about architecture and interior photography. I learned my lesson. I go after the A-listers. I am able to get these people under contract and make a phenomenal offer to them that they can't refuse, but I have to prepay 
a lot of the expenses against future earnings. And right. so, I, you know, I created this risk-free business model for them, which is which is how I hooked them. But I didn't have the clients yet. And so I'm back $135,000 in debt. And now I'm in real trouble because now I have to borrow money to pay interest on borrow money, which is, as you know, Jeff, a really solid mm-hmm. financial model, right? <laughs> yep. It's, uh, it's, it's sounds amazing. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the yeah. is just terrible. And then I left, I went to Germany to pick up some business and to see my dad. My dad had a stroke. My father did not have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer and passes Mm. away six weeks later. And then we are in Germany at the funeral and my phone rings literally as I have just buried my dad and my office calls and says, we've just been served a notice and now we're being thrown out of the house. Um, that I didn't own, but, you know, the new landlord and, you know, the old landlord had given me permission to run a home office, but it wasn't in the lease. And so the new buyer, you know, says I'm violent. It was really nothing I could do. So here I am. I lost my best friend. I'm $135,000 in debt. I'm paying for a funeral with money I don't have. I um, have to go back and figure out where I'm going to live with money I don't have. And I'm, I fell on my knees and I raised my fist, Jeff, and I yelled at God. And I said, you know, if you have a plan, this would be an excellent time to fill me in. Because it just didn't mm-hmm. make any, you know, at this point, it just makes no sense. You go like, nope. what else is there? I mean, how much else are you going to throw at me? And I surrendered. And then I came back to Los Angeles. And uh, shortly thereafter, I get a letter from the White House. Because in my absolute desperation, I had written a letter to the White House, the President of the United States. It is a true story. This I got to hear. So so the reason I wrote a letter to the President of the United States is because my former mother-in-law was such a nag about it. She's like, you got to write a letter to the President. It's your President. If anybody can help you as the President of the United States, why don't you write a letter to the President? Have you written your letter to the President? Fine. Yep. I will write the damn letter. So just so we don't have to talk about it anymore. So sure enough, I get a letter from the White House. And it says the president sends his best wishes. <laughs> of course, the president of the United States never saw this letter. But right. it put me in touch with the Small Business Administration, with mm-hmm. this deputy chief director. I had my meeting. They helped me restructure my business plan that I had written Mm -hmm. that helped me find a bank that took my debt and restructured it in a 10-year fixed loan that freed up my line of credit that gave me $45,000 worth of cash. Three months later, after this dark moment in my life, I'm break even. This is how close it was, Jeff. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category. That's when the Bill Gates wow. company comes and says, hmm, Beate, can, do you mind telling us how you do it? I said, yeah, I actually do mind. You want it, you buy it. And they said, how right. much do you want? I said, a couple million. They said, fine. That's how I sold my business to Bill Gates. Love it. I mean, what a story right there. Um, I want to step back to the moment where you surrendered, put your fist in the air, ask God, you know, I, 
We don't get overly religious on this show. I think this might be the first time we're digging into this, but I'm going to ask this question. You know, for me, uh, my grandfather, very important to me, passed away this summer. He's actually right there. That's the day I caught the trophy fish when we fished together in that picture. Uh, another reason why you want to be online and watch. Oh, you know what? No reason I can't hold this up to the camera. There's a picture frame he made. He's a master carpenter, but there's oh, him and I beautiful. fishing. Yeah, yeah, caught, I see you at this like gorgeous 20, lake, yeah. Yeah, caught like a 22-inch pike, and I won the, uh, I had the biggest fish that summer, and I won a $5 gift certificate to the Congratulations. At the at the campground or wherever it was we were. Uh, but he passes away this summer. My belief is uh, his marriage to my grandmother, storybook affair, 65 years, Nate celebrated 65 years in June. She has dementia. It's very, very advanced at this point. My belief is, and he was a devout man of faith, my belief is for him to go out the way he did with cancer um, was God's hand saying, I'm not going to let you watch the love of your life end like this. Mm -hmm. Um, So for you, I mean, and and if you don't want to answer, if I'm getting too close, just say, but was there anything you learned in that moment of surrender? Because I think it's important for people to hear. This stuff isn't just, you can believe what you want to believe, but if you truly believe at the end of it, we just go in the ground and that's that. I think I think there's something more to consider. There's something very innate about all of our souls and the power over them. Um, so what, did you take anything away? Yeah, I, I actually I actually like that we're going there because I think that people are oftentimes, especially right now, looking for a meaning and purpose in mm-hmm. life. And if you feel that you're disconnected from energy, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, then yeah, you probably feel alone. If you find a connection to the divine or to some sort of um, energy, you know, and and, and I'm, I don't judge what you want to call it, um, that really changes everything. I mean, when my father died, I saw the vision. You know, I've I've always been very connected uh, that way with with spirituality, and I I saw literally I saw the sky open. I saw people coming to this hole in the sky. I woke mm-hmm. up and I'm like, they're picking him up. I woke up my brother. I woke up my sister, and I said, "Hey, uh, you need to come. He's leaving." And they say, "How do you know?" I said, "How can I like not know?" I mean, it was so, it was it was it was so clear. And then we opened the door, and and I said, "Go, go, you know, go. It's okay." And he literally passed away in that minute. So, so I think that in, in, in the belief of you do what you can do and what you have control over, you, you choose to be the person that you want to be. You choose to act that you want to act um, because that is the person that you want to be, right? My dad always said at the end of the day, before you go to bed, you look in the mirror, you need to like the person that looks back at you. So you want to be very clear what this person needs to be, look and do so that you can you can like this person that's very hard for many people. But if you see attributes in other people that you admire, become that, work on that, become that, become that person. And then you have to, that in in especially in in careers and business and in 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 uh, personal development you get to a certain point with the knowledge you have and then 
you either going to stay there or you're going to have to elevate yourself to that next level and you need to learn a different skill set. We know with the science and the data and the information that's out there, positive mindset, spirituality, um, energy, you know, people that go on whatever ayahuasca trips or people that, you know, pray the rosary like the nuns, right? Yep. That's that's a chanting, a spiritual experience. We know we're all connected. If you have that, if you have that energy around you, you can't be scared. Right. And then it's okay to surrender and say, I have done whatever I can do. Please handle it from here because I I, I cannot fathom any other I mean, I couldn't think of anything else, right? I always say, I don't drown in a puddle. It's just not worth it. But mm-hmm. at that point, it wasn't a puddle anymore. At that point, you know, I was swimming in the ocean with a couple of sharks. Right. You know, if I would have drowned, it would have been right. perfectly okay. That's wow. my take on it. It's like, you got to believe well, in something. powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you do. I, you know, at my campsite where our family camps, it's actually in the middle of a uh, glacial um rock formation and um it's wild to just sit there and there's been times i go there at night drive my little golf cart down sit out look up at the stars and you think how far is that one away how far is that one away (laughs) and the expanse of it all for me is really kind of grounding and then the vibration coming off of that which sounds a little woo-woo and it's might for people fans of me who know me think that's really out there like what did jeff take today no, I mean, I believe in this stuff. Um, it's, it's not something I really talk about a lot, but yeah, I mean, if I need a recharge, I go there for sure. Cause there's well, something how can, how, about that. Jeff, spot. how can we, how can we help people if we don't have the connect, a connection to the divine of some sort? I mean, it's right. impossible. You can't say that I'm here with a purpose that I have a big why and the why is cars, airplanes and, and toys. That is, that's, you know, that's shallow. I mean, that's great. You know, I like driving a nice car. I like going on nice vacations. I certainly prefer mm-hmm. flying in business over coach. But but ultimately, the, the, the contribution that you are making, right? Like, it, you know, we had a, a, we changed our entire mission and vision of the company last year. And we purposely said our impact as a company is measured by the impact we help others make because we Mm, wanted to be intricately connected to the success of the people we work for. That's how we measure success now. Yep. I love that. Love, love, love that. That is very important for people to take in because if, you know, and if you're not clear on what your mission is, we go back to kind of where we started. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, about how you help people and what they care about and how you make that connection. Um, you know, people today, they want to know if they're spending money somewhere. Some people want to know it's going to mean something. It's going to have impact beyond just making the exchange, right? And I love that your mission is measured by the impact, the authority that you create through others. Yeah, and what, what better what better is there? I mean, if if you really think about this, go back to the example of the of the ethical AI that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know what an impact that makes in the world? That that you know that her me helping her develop this framework and her being out there 
you know, selling this to some of the largest companies in the world that now will be running on a lot of these search engines on these online uh, uh, purchasing options. That's, that's a huge impact. The tutoring company we're working we're working with, uh, the, the 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 coaches, the consultants, the you know the uh, the restaurant the restaurant um, uh, consultant who helps a small family restaurants to be successful. You know the the people that are going to eat at these restaurants, families that are creating legacies. That's what I think about when I work, and and right. that's what gets me excited. And I bet you're the same way. Mm-hmm. I bet you're exactly yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, our. Uh, we've really dug in the last year. Uh, I co-own a retail mattress store of all things, right? The, one of the most commodity, the durable good commodity driven things that a consumer can look at. And our purpose is to impact our community and make our community happier. Because when our community is happier, it's stronger and our business is stronger. You know, and our mission through that is to change the way people feel about this experience of buying a mattress. So that mission dictates everything we do. The second we go do anything like our competitors, it's like it, it's it's an internal conflict. We can't do that. Because that's that. what they do. Yeah, our mission is to, is to change this view of this experience and really make it the best purchasing experience you've had across anything, not just a mattress, but across anything. And then and it's easy, the right? And then it's mm-hmm. easy to know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, it makes buying decisions easy. It makes hiring decisions easy. Um, you know, all of that stuff. Um, it makes, it makes a lot easier to, uh, to figure out. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the most important thing when you want to be successful, if you think that you are the end goal, then that is the limit. But if you think you're a vehicle mm. or in service and that there's a transformation that happens through you for others, it's infinite. I like that. If you think you're the end goal, you shouldn't be. You should be the vehicle to service. I like that. Yeah. That's that is what you said, correct? Yeah, like I said bud. yeah, like yeah. If bud. you if Look yeah exactly if it's about you, you're the end goal. But if it is about touching other people, then then the goal becomes infinite. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of this. This has been just a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, right. Really, truly. We we discovered we've got a mutual connection in Mike Capuzzi. Um you're the second Beata that I know and and I'll say best Beata. I'll say that. We proved the hypothesis. <laughs> I think we're spirit animals for sure. Yeah. Um, so people can uh, connect with you, uh, obviously through here, uh, but through this episode. And we have all of your contact handles, social handles, et cetera. All of that is uh, is in the show notes. But specifically, we've been putting it on the screen. Again, good reason to watch the show. Uh, airtightavatar.com. Is is where people can go. What what happens when they go to Airtight Avatar? What's that about? Yeah, so one of the most important things in living, you know, uh, being a visionary or thought leader and making an impact is about figuring out who it is that you're serving. 
So we put out this piece that we um, we created called the Airtight Avatar to help you identify who your ideal client is in 15 minutes. You've heard this a thousand times. We've made it so easy. We literally, you print out a checklist and you take a pen and you mm-hmm. make marks on the things that apply because that is a foundation for everything that you do. Who are you here to serve? Once you have that, you can build the rest. Very smart. You said you have a gift for taking a process, seeing something, seeing a big question and giving it the answer through process, procedure, and system. There it is. That's very cool. Airtightavatar.com. I'm going to go there myself. And, and Excellent. Put myself to the test. Uh, that's very cool. Um, and then you have a quiz that uh, people can go to as well. Yeah. I have that right in front of me and I lost it, but it is... Growth blogger quiz. There we go. Growthbloggerquiz.com. So uh, why should people go there? Yeah. So I have found that there's really three different mistakes people make when their business is not growing. They either don't have a strategy, they don't have systems, or they don't know how to grow their authority and their client attraction system. So we created a quiz that takes two minutes at growthblockerquiz.com. And you'll figure out which of the three it is. And then I'll give you a handout and I have a video for you to watch that will show you exactly what you need to do to get that growth blocker removed so that your business can grow. Because most of the time, people have some elements in business, you know, back to the innate preferences of what you're good at. And then they have others that they're not so good at. So we help you identify that and then tell you what you can do to actually grow your business, what the next step should be. Love it. Love all of it. So we're not going to end there. I'm going to ask you this question and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up on your answer. So something that I've struggled with uh, really prior to the holidays, and it only kind of hit me this week. Well, last week, I guess. So obviously, social media is a media platform that we can all use to grow our businesses. There's, there's good ways to use it. There's, there's nefarious ways to use it. This isn't the question. I really kind of hit a point where I was frustrated because my personal belief of these companies is that they don't serve human good. Truly, they're there. You know, they don't. That's not their mission. <laughs> is to to elevate people's lives and impact positively throughout the day. And I think when you look at the things that hit momentum, go viral, get more engagement, it's often things that are neutral in life to negative in life. Rarely, it, you know, if we look at all of it across the whole ecosystem, rarely is a positive. Um, I would imagine my statement there, if you look at the 80-20 rule, the positive to the neutral to negative is fractal, the 80-20 fractal thing. 80% of it is negative, 16% of it is neutral, 4% of it is positive. I would imagine that's probably where the numbers fall out. Algorithmically, these things work to keep us down. What I kind of fell back on last week was I've got a great friend list. I've got a great list of people that commit to winning in life and post positive stuff. And I kind of lost sight of that. Just not that they weren't doing it. Um, I just kind of lost sight of the fact that we can kind of fight back, kind of like this rebel army, if you will. Mm-hmm. And my feeds are really mostly positive, but that takes work. Do you feel uh, we can push back on that? Do you feel that at large, there is more of this algorithmic thing that's out there 
pushing down on people. How do you handle that? And what do you suggest for others? I have a very specific example for that. I had um, before COVID, I did a lot of women leadership and I, you know, was very outspoken about equality, diversity. I was keynoting things. It was doing a lot of that part. And then, uh, then the Me Too movement came and an anti-Me Too movement, uh, you know, amongst men. And they were looking for women like me to unleash. And I got completely in the crosshairs of it. And so before Ooh. I know it, YouTube, Google, um, all I got served was a bunch of angry, frustrated men over bad divorces, unfair child payments, the things that every woman on the planet had done to them, of course, unjustly. Of course, they were all victims. And mm-hmm. I, I, to this day, it's two years later, um, almost three years later, I cannot get out of it. Um, so I had to shut off all these videos. I had to rename my channel. I had to block thousands of people. I was doxxed, you know, people were death threats. I mean, it was insane. So to your point is- Simply, th- simply because you were- uh, aging feminist, uh-huh. equality. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, like people would take a three-minute video and do a 15-minute video response to that. You know, so I had to mm-hmm. go at the back door and and uh, and come at them for copyright infringement and then, you know, force them to take those videos down, thank God. But to this day, my YouTube channel never recovered from that, you know, because it's mm-hmm. it's so ingrained in the algorithm that I've been literally branded as this, you know, poorly aging cat lady feminist that is now in the line of, I I, I swear it's, 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 it's really remarkable. So my advice to that is that you got to be very careful and to your point on what you're responding to. So even if you see something out there that is popular culture of, let's say an Andrew Tate or uh, an Elon Musk or, or whatever that is, and you let your guard down and you say something, you never know what an algorithm is going to pick that up and who it's going to serve it to as the one thing that is now uh, steering up a already hot conversation. And then you are in the line of fire and there is no way yeah. to get out of it ever. I mean, yeah. you can delete the call. It doesn't matter. You're on the radar. So my advice is exactly, you know, going back to the mirror, decide who you're going to be. And what is worth your time? Is it worth for you to respond? Is it worth for you to be drawn into that one second of response? You have my permission to write it. You don't have my permission to send it Uh, because it, it, you know, I can tell you it, my, my one post that went viral was on LinkedIn. And that was during that period of time. And I said, LinkedIn is not a dating website. It had 1.1 million views. It had over 100,000 comments. And most of it were along the lines, let's get real. You're really not that hot. You should be glad somebody's paying attention to you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry you went through that. Um, big yeah, lesson. I mean, big lesson. Big right. lesson to be learned. So to your point, yes, keep yeah. it. Keep it to geared toward the outcome you want to achieve, not the stuff you're fighting against. Because yeah. that that right now in cancel culture, in the environment we are in is a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, fundamentally, it's about it's about letting go of what you can't control 
mm-hmm. and keeping everything in focus of what you actually can control. Yes. Right? I mean, that's, that's the fundamental underlying theme there. Yep. This has been uh, fantastic. Loved our time together. Uh, I wasn't too sure where our conversation would go, but I thought we had a fantastic one. I hope you did too, listening and watching. If you did, leave us a comment, leave us a review. That's always helpful for the show. Please do reach out to Beata. She's got a lot of great insights. Obviously, she can help you. Um, and uh, you can go to authorityavatar.com, growthblockerquiz.com, or just click on any of the helpful links we gave you with the show notes or on this post. We'd love to have you do that. I like making these connections. That's what this show's about. So, Beata, thank you. This has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I was having a blast. Good. Good. All right. Well, we'll see everybody else uh, next week on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what isn't possible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.